Okay, let's go to Perik Yud Beis, Pasuk Aleph. We finished, although it's never finished, but we at least went over the various shittas and what the Havamin and Maskana, what went wrong with the neder of Yiftach and his daughter. Now in Perik Yud Beis, we're going to see the fallout besides the obvious nezek that happened the lack of siyata deshmaya that Yiftach, although he's extremely successful in the Muhamma, he wins, he gets them off his border, and the war went as well as one could imagine, and the Nisim and the flows that took place, and the siyata deshmaya had in the actual battle. The lack of siyata deshmaya in the aftermath of the battle is going to be, unfortunately, very apparent in this parak. One of the more horrific footnotes, it's hard to call it a footnote, there's going to be 42,000 casualties. That's hardly a footnote. But in the general story and the reign of Yiftach, we already know that he's going to be punished, although he goes down as a shefet. I keep mentioning that. He's not even a machlekes in terms of being in the list of Shaftim, and goes down as a tzaddik, uh, is always used as a reference, Yiftach B'derek Shmuel B'derek, as one of the least compared to Shmuel, one of the greatest, or the greatest, and accomplished that Klai Yisrael was secure, at least on the eastern flank, and they got rid of the enemy who was trying to wipe them out. That's not a small accomplishment. The Einish was the tenure lasts only six years and he dies a pretty horrible death. And Pinchas is punished to a lesser degree with the taking away of the Nevoah for a Tkufa. He continues to live a very long time leading Klai Yisrael and the job that he did in the Kahuna and has his Ruach HaKadosh, has the Nevoah back at the end. So this is part of the unraveling, although we have no other indication that his period as a shefet was lacking in terms of general leadership. His suffering is there. And what happens over here, interestingly enough, he's not even criticized directly for what is about to transpire. I say directly, could it have been handled better in this case? Yes, because we have a very similar story not long ago where Bnei Ephraim got very upset, very, very combative over what we would look at as, uh, you wouldn't call it a double shemabakach, but I understand that taina, but to make a war, a civil war, and to have uh, people getting killed over it, we would say, what for? We shouldn't say it so flippantly because, A, we weren't there. B, we're dealing with Chashra people, we're dealing with the Shafet and his reaction. And the reaction of Pialocha, we're discussing a lot, Dina Machus Adina recently. Good thing, Lawrence, you're here. You probably knew that, Baruch HaKadosh. So, <laughs> he's a Shafet, and they're starting up and they're complaining. And okay, complaining, you have a complaint, we'd like to hear what you have to say. Maybe we can help out. Next time, maybe, yeah, maybe not, but okay, then stop the conversation. But Ephraim doesn't stop, and he feels it 
as a threat to the Malchus, which was part of the issue in the first place, how much of a Malchus is the Shefit, but it's a Malchus enough that you can't have thousands of people who are in the army, even though they weren't in your army, but they're part of the defense of Klai Yisrael, they're a group that could cause trouble. So he feels he has to put his foot down. I'm giving this introduction. You'll understand Lamar Frey in a few minutes what we're getting into, but I made reference to it before of the battle that's going to ensue after the battle. And he feels he can't just let it go unanswered. Now, the other way to do it would be to answer extremely humbly that uh, you're Gavaldic and I should have called you and we're sorry we didn't call you and next time you're going to fight with us in the front and their complaints coming from a good place you have a problem, you have an enemy in your border, call us we're a battalion 50,000 strong, 100,000 strong call us we're willing to help, we have no standing army uh, we're not going into the army for a number of years, this is ad hoc but we're here, that's a wonderful message Halavai, we should always have said people can you imagine volunteers coming said, why don't you call us? We wanted to help out in this effort. So, okay, so thank you very much, and you're here, and we apologize. And, uh, so could he have taken a softer approach in 2020 hindsight? We wish it would have been dealt with a different way. He felt, this is a chutzpah, and it's being said in a very chutzpah way, which it was. And the battle's over, and unlike the last time this happened, Shevet Ephraim actually played a crucial role in closing up the battle. And they were approached much more humbly that you did much more. Remember, they caught the generals and they actually participated. And if you don't close the war, the war never ends. That was really an accomplishment. Here they came after the thing was completely finished. There was nothing to do. See, in defense of Yiftach, he couldn't say, well, we actually have a job for you. Would you mind taking 20,000 guys and going and invading them and destroying the rest of the city because they're still dangerous? Okay, that would have been nice. They would have been happy to do it. There was nothing available to do. So, Monhead, you'd say, Baruch Hashem. In this case, it led to a response where he was upset and perceived them as a threat, and they felt that he was trying to push his authority too far, which is reminiscent of the last parak and of the backdrop of the problem over here between Pinchas and Yiftach. Was he a shefet over everybody? Apparently, Bnei Ephraim, who we're talking about Bnei Ephraim, Bnei Ephraim felt themselves as the vanguard to protect Yisrael. Like, why aren't we part of this? You're an Evra Yardin, and who elected you? That part was actually a very sensitive point because we know from Pinchas that was part of his time the reason we, why he didn't go to so they're not uh, I would say they're not crazy would be a not nice way of saying it they're more than not crazy they're actually tapping into what some of the halachic and ashkafic issues were in terms of the debate and they weren't that far off which is exactly why he's so sensitive in the response is because he feels that this is where it's coming from and therefore he puts his foot down more which would make it a very typical argument that gets out of uh, hand, blown out of proportion, even between good people, because the stakes are potentially high in terms of his feeling, I have to, I have to put my foot down. And they're saying, well, that's what we're debating. You didn't call us because you're making these decisions, and we as a shevet are really responsible. And there's no one king. Shevet is here also ad hoc to help out when he needs to. Well, you didn't need to because we could have done it as a shevet. 
So, you understand why this introduction to the horrific scene that's going to tr- unfold is needed over here, because this is not, sounds petty, but it's not. There are some real halachic and his- historical uh, situations over here that are not really ironed out, and that's going to be part of the issue. Yeah, we'll take one. Putting aside the nice of So the same, the same medrash that we had before included Perikid Beis, what we're about to read in this, that it was a taina on the Shevet Ephraim. There's enough tainas to go around. Shevet Ephraim is that you're getting all up in arms, literally, about this. You're willing to fight and start a whole civil war. And yet, when Yiftach was carrying out this nedr and this is going on, you didn't say a word. So, again, why? I'd like to defend both sides to show you what's going on. Why did they say a word? It was done almost in secrecy. They didn't really appreciate the severity of what was about to happen. Rather, the Pinchas didn't react. Pinchas would have been Mechon's covered and gone to him, despite the extra stample he didn't want to give on the fact that he was Shefet. He didn't really believe the rumor, and he didn't know if it was immediate. And this is all on twenty twenty hindsight. So Shevet Ephraim, in that measure, shares some of the blame. Is that this you make a federal case out of, where it's I don't want to call it Johnny come lately, but it's, it's the war's over. So you want to discuss what to do next time? Okay, so let's discuss it calm, calm, collected. They didn't come in a very calm way because they felt that he's taking too much authority and it was part of the underlying issue. So if you want to know where was Pinchas, well, that's the same Shiloh, where was Pinchas by the nether? He was... Yeah, he was a, he was a kind gadol. He was in the Gedele Adar from the Gedele Adar of the last uh, 10 generations. and Yeah, he, which is why there was some level of responsibility on him, even though he didn't get punished nearly as severely as... Yiftach, or as you're about to see, Shevet Ephraim, because he can only process information as you're given it, and he wouldn't have been there. No one realized what we're about to see in a few psukim, how bad this can get very quickly because of the tensions of this debate. So he wasn't even on the scene. And when Yiftach's daughter, whatever the maskana of the sentence was, depending which track you take, there was a taina, but if you ask him, like, who told him to do this? Why did he come ask a shayla? That's, that's wild. Like, why would he... He didn't think it was serious. Now, he heard some rumors and nobody really knew what was going on because whatever was done was done pretty much under wraps. So that's the backdrop. It's an important lesson, first of all, it's important to know for the push-up shot. Otherwise, you read this parak in a vacuum. It's like, how in the world can something like this even remotely take place as a havamina? But now you understand why... It's going to be a Havmin Maskana. And I'm pointing out, despite the drawbacks of Yiftach's process, he's not directly charged with any bloodshed, even though there's going to be a lot of it over here. Because at the end of the day, he was a Shafit. He did have the power of a Shafit. Had he taken certain steps to avoid what's about to happen, would have been far better. But it's already due to the lack of Siatashmaya that's already going against him from what happened in the last parak. So, uh, Lawrence, you're going to have to hear Lama Freya the other uh, three, four weeks to fully, fully appreciate that. But um, it's all recorded. It's not something Yud Beis is absolutely appalling. How can this happen with people who are coming to volunteer for something good? 
they're both good. <laughs> they're both just uh, in the backdrop of what's going on, it's going to be not understood that way. So that's the Hakdama. Yes? Well, that's what I'm saying. That shows he's on the list. I'm saying the Psak on actually executing them is not directly challenged. That's the biggest surprise over here, but that is a fact. And you'll see, plug everything we just said in the last 10 minutes into what we're about to read. We'll see it quickly, you'll understand, uh, you'll understand more. That part is an attack. The general lack of is what's going on over here. It's also a shofar. It's not the same as, as a king as far as the That's a big, uh, a big debate. Not exactly the same, but very similar. So that's, yeah. And he has to keep law and order. Yes? Yes, That's, that didn't help too much. The so you would think if Ryan Mamanasha, Yaakov, we discussed this after Shir, it's, it's a very important point. You would think this would help avoid what's about to happen. They were the closest, Lachar, they should have been the closest Shvatim to Ephraim and Manasha. And yet it was the biggest disaster of the story because Lachar and Dafka, they felt that close. And why don't you call us doesn't mean why don't you call us as a member of Kaiso, that too. It means why don't you call us we're from the same shavit. Like why you why is this not the team effort? Which is a wonderful, wonderful offer in the backdrop, but not to push it this far. It's so, right. Right, right. And I think that, that did play a role, uh, which is why Yiftach was so sensitive to it. So keep in mind everything we just said, because we're going to read the Pesukim relatively quickly, uh, but you'll plug in and you'll see, at least have some, some understanding how it can happen. The Pesuk Aleph, Perakia Beis Pesuk Aleph. V'yitzayik Isha Ephraim v'yavar tzafayna. So they uh, rallied the troops, so to speak, even though the war is over. But they're coming to complain. So they go to Yiftach himself. They didn't just register a complaint with the general uh, office. They made it personal. He's in charge. He made the decisions. He didn't call us. Yaakov, you're saying they didn't call Ephraim who's in charge, especially within Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, Ephraim is in the Mullah country. Nothing is too far from anything. But this took place in I did. He didn't call them because he was a tzaddik, a maimon, tremendous giber, and frankly, he didn't need them. Why involve them? It's almost like a tircha. I don't want to bother you. You're a different part of the country. They didn't see it like that in a big way, which is why somebody wants an example of what you can't learn quickly. You could show them Navi in general, they could show them Shaftim in particular, and they could show them Perakid Beis, by the way. It's possible to uh, understand how many things are going on over here. So they're Taina in plain Lashon HaKadosh, Madua Avarti Lacham Bnei Amar Valanu Lo Karasa, Lachazimach. Why did you not even tell us? We would have been happy to come, and they were sincere about that. Beischa Nisraf Alacha Beish. That's not a very good opening line to an argument that you want to settle in principle, with hopefully words only. Now, you could say that was just an expression. 
he took it very seriously. And in terms of the personal security detail of a shayfet, uh, that's, um, they call them fighting words, or whatever that... Uh, what? It's more than a club. That's a direct threat. And if the ticket service is doing their job, which they're going to do maybe too well in the uh, coming psukim, uh, that's a very serious. They didn't take it as a klala. They didn't take it as an idle threat. They were very up in arms. The war was over. So that's why everything over here is going to be uh, overkill. Well, that's not a good word because, unfortunately, it's going to be literal. So of all the uh, answers, this is a little startling. I apologize. We're going to have better communication next time. Would have been the best. Again, easy for me to say that as I'm sitting here giving Sharon with 20-20 hindsight with all the Madrashim at my disposal. That would have been number one. Uh, number two would have been, I don't want to bother you. It's uh, Bittel Teira, and you're not needed, and take you from the best measure from your homes. It's going to cause Shalom Bayez problems, everything, and it wasn't necessary. And the truth is, he fought the battle without them. That would have been the second best. Option number three, which is what he said, I'm not doubting the veracity of it, but it's pretty startling because I didn't put in this fact yet because I want to show you that he's saying it. We don't, the Pusik didn't tell us this before. It wasn't necessary as part of the story. They were looking for a general for a long time, if you remember. They couldn't get anybody to volunteer. It's like getting somebody to volunteer to fight Goliath. That's a tough call. And Clay Saul had an army then. They had a king then. The king was Shaul, who fought Goliath before. If you remember, he got the luchas out of his hand. It's not like he was known, but he didn't have Siat at that point. And nobody wanted to fight until David Amal came along. So they had the same matzah over here. They looked up, and there were 300,000 troops to the border. And then there were 400,000 troops to the border. And whatever the numbers were, they were humongous. And they were surrounded, and they, they couldn't get any volunteer. So until they got Yiftach, was already a whole Misa. Yiftach over here tells you, is, what do you mean they call you? We send out the alarms once, twice, three times, four times, five times. We were really, really in a big pickle, and we were under tremendous pressure. And it sounds clearly, and it wouldn't make this up. Says, Even after they found me, they came to get me, and now they have a general. I still sent out a message for help. He says, you didn't come. Now, if that's true 100%, or there was a miscommunication, and he thought the message got out, and they didn't go, that's a pretty large gap like a Grand Canyon in between their tiny and his tiny. They said, why don't you call us? We would have been happy to help. And they meant it. And he said, why don't I call you? He said, we were in a real bind uh, under a lot of pressure. And I want to rely on an ace. Who wants to rely on an ace? He had Nisim. Who wants to rely on an ace? The more soldiers, the better. We were outgunned and outnumbered as it was. So he claims he did send the message. What happened in between their message and his message or they're not getting the message is hard to know and not really that relevant because probably a little truth to both sides as there are in arguments between good people and not making up stories. Today we have battles where often facts are made up and there's propaganda on both sides. Here, each side understood that this was the story. Obviously, there must have been something in between. I saw that you weren't coming. 
So I took my life into my hands and did something very dangerous, which he did. And I went to fight the battles. They had no choice. They were about to attack. And not only did I defend, but if you remember, he took the army, went around, and went into deep, deep enemy territory. Extremely dangerous. And, you know, we picture today, you go into enemy territory, just get the Air Force to give you air coverage. You'll have no problem. Soften them up with some bombs and missiles. We'll be fine. They didn't have any of this then. He's taking people, severely outnumbered, deep into a foreign country who wants to annihilate them. So, I ended up relying on an ace and his chusim, which were apparently very large, Baruch Hashem, and his sitkus and his courage, and we won the battle, and now you're asking me why I didn't invite you? Now, notice the word lilochambi. He says, the war is over. Why are you coming now to threaten to burn down my house and kill me everything? He says, where were you before? And ironically, their taina is, you didn't call us. So I conjecture what happened to the message. He sounded the alarm, and maybe they felt, no, we're not really wanted, and there would have been a delegation that sent and they might have been assuming too much about how organized it was because it wasn't that organized. That's why I emphasize they didn't even have a general till the last minute. It was the 11th hour and they were still looking for talent. And when Yiftah came, he had a day, an hour to make some speeches and get organized and think what he's going to do. And he did the most daring option possible and it succeeded because he was at Sadiq. So now you understand why they're pretty far apart in this uh, discussion. So as I told you, it unravels very quickly. So apparently B'nai Ephraim came with more than three people to discuss this. And all of a sudden they turned around and there are a lot of B'nai Ephraim in Eivar Yardin. Very soon B'nai Ephraim is going to wish they were not standing in Eivar Yardin because they didn't realize that they're as strong as they are, they're outnumbered in every Yardin, and he's going to don them all as a married Bamalchus. So it's going to get uh, deadly very quickly, which started off as some severe misunderstanding on who invited who, who didn't invite who, and who should be insulted. Yeah? It's very difficult to. to, uh, to I'm trying to bridge the gap. Yeah, I, I meant the bridge. The bridge was not gapped, by the way. The, 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 we didn't gap. We didn't uh, cover the gap. But is it possible that he was talking about when he was having his own personal issues? And no, because he says beferish. He says I sent out ezak eschem velo shatem mi yadam mi yadam means amun, and he says I had no choice and I had very limited. Troops. Nah, that's when he was going around the countryside, uh, you know, and he was doing good things there, by the way. That's why they, they used him. He wasn't the Robin Hood stealing from the rich and putting it in his pocket or something like that. Uh, he was helping he's people. He was fighting Gaim. No. no. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Clearly. And he went and he fought a battle where the, the odds were bad beforehand. What he did was uh, almost a suicide mission, but he had no choice and he won. So, Pasik Dalvik, but Yifta Chaskal Anche Gilavi Lachem as Ephraim, Viako Anche Gilad as Ephraim, Ki Amru, Politi Ephraim Atem, Gilab Sech Ephraim Besech Menashe. 
Interesting, Yaakov, according to your point, it's starting to highlight or contrast that Ephraim now is stuck in Manasseh territory, not far from home, but too far to get home, as we'll see in a moment. So right away, you have to keep in mind, Yiftuch already had an organized army but at this point. Successful, very loyal, and they knew the territory much better because it was their hometown. And Ephraim had to cross the Avar Yarden. Now, Avar Yarden, as Avar Yarden should be called, has Yarden in between. I remember the first time I saw the Yarden as a little boy. Uh, the tour guide said, Look out the window and you'll see the Yarden. Looking out, I remember the, uh, the Yarden? This is the Yarden? Uh, the part we were at was uh, in the summer where it's the smallest and driest and, and punked exactly where we were. It didn't look that gigantic. So I remember I asked. I'm asking Kasha Namaisa. I want him to make sure this is really the Yarden. So he started explaining that the Yarden has different, like any river, water points. And after a rainy winter, it's actually quite large and it swells. And picture Yeshua, Benun, and Klai Yisrael crossing the Yarden. They needed Nisim, and there was a Kriya Sayarden, like Kriya Samsuf. And the water went up, and there were Nisim of flows you could see for miles. And where my bus was, it was the end of the summer, and it wasn't such a rainy winter, and it was kind of um, small. But that's the exception. The Yarden had bridges. Many bridges were because there was a lot of traffic. Part of Klai Yisrael had every Yarden, and they had certain uh, bridges, uh, you can imagine, for pedestrians, the other ones for the trucks, with all sorts of instructions. Uh, a lot of traffic going back and forth, but Yiftach knew his territory, and he knew about all the bridges. And the first thing he did was send all his men to all the bridges and told them, if anybody from Ephraim wants to go back home now, do not let them. So he took over all the bridges. It was the first thing you do in a battle. And the Ardain normally was pretty wide, and it's hard to swim across. You could do it at certain points, but that's not the regular way to go. And the people from Ephraim realized that they sort of bit off more than they could chew, and they better go home before this really gets out of hand. And unfortunately, it's going to be too little too late. Polite, we're calling them Polite Ephraim already. And if you look at Rashi and Pasik Dalek, Yamu Polite Ephraim Atem Gilad, Bechusim Shabbat Ephraim Yavazin Ez Gilad, Vaimim Lahem, meaning the lower elements. Ma Atem Gilad Chashuv Mesech Ephraim Mesech Menashe. So not only Yaakov was it a bit of a machlekes, who's supposed to be taking care of the Shevet and of Klai Yisrael, between Ephraim and Menashe, they were even ridiculing the family of Yiftach, Yiftach HaGilodi, that they were the Bechusim in Menashe and they had no right to be ruling. So there was a double accusation over here, or insult. So right away, they took over the bridges and Pasuk Hey Rashi says, the of Gilas Mabras, Yishayimim Makam Hamabaras. So it's going to be very difficult for them to get back. What was that? Yeah, yeah that was on uh, Dalit. So Ephraim realized now they broke up and they now try to sneak across, back across as Yechidim, pretending they're not from Ephraim because they realized very quickly that Gilad was, uh, they're claiming it's the smallest of the families and uh, you shouldn't be ruling. Well, 
they learned very quickly and realized very quickly that he was an incredible force and the army was quite organized and they secured all the bridges and now they have to go incognito and sort of just like walk across the bridge like everybody else and pretend like they're not from Ephraim and they don't know what the Shaykhis is and Yiftach is extremely nervous about them and doesn't want them to get back across because if they do, that doesn't mean they did tshuva and they can come back with a greater force and there's a threat to the Malchus here. So, then this aspect was not directly criticized by Chazal. The whole fiasco, he took share in because uh, part of it was the uh, general lack of siyat but they both sides liked the siyat That's an important akud over here. You can't blame all of this. I'm not even claiming roiv. There's an aspect that for a tzaddik like Yiftuch, for all his accomplishments, should have been zeichet to more, and that, no doubt, part of it was due to his mistakes. But a lot of this, and this is important to understand as this uh, parak will end, a lot of this, or perhaps most of it, perhaps Ruby the Rubo of it, is due to the fact that Kleisol didn't deserve a complete Yeshua, and they weren't on the Madrega they should be. I mentioned on Shavuos, Nothing's a coincidence that we get to it in this Tkufa. They were donning their own Shoftim, and part of the backdrop of that is that they saw what happened with Yiftach and the mistakes that happened, and a lot of it was due to the Yechidim and Kaisal not being on the highest Madrega, but rightfully or incorrectly, incorrectly, it caused them to have less respect for the Shoftim. So if you want to know the Tkufa, why at this particular time the next Shoftim is... Bayez. Bayez was a tzaddik yisraelim, as we know from Megillus Rus. But the tkuf in the backdrop, the reason there was a famine, and the reason why they were criticizing the sheftim, is because there was a lot of damage at the end of this story, and a lot of people, instead of looking inwards and doing full tshuva, which they did, Baruch Hashem, after Rus came back, and after the famine came, everybody had a clear look, and ultimately they did raise the Madrega, but at this particular point, it's a low point, and it's easier to blame than to do soul-searching. So, the beginning, it was the blame game, and therefore, so, you get a clear understanding how the Tkufa and the Bayas happened, and what happens at the beginning of that famine, and then you wonder, well, Eli Melech, Shirk, there's responsibility, and just left. That was a mistake, a big mistake, personal mistake on his part. And the backdrop was that right now people were down and it wasn't in a good place, and that's why that happened. So now that you're seeing this, where it is in Shaifim, you understand why all that could happen. It's a slippery slope. The good news is Klai Yisrael is Klai Yisrael, and they will, after a famine and something like this, they're going to ultimately do the soul-searching necessary to do tshuva. But this, this is going to be pretty jarring in the next two of Sukkim. I'll get to the questions in a moment. They're trying to cross in the middle of Pasuk Hay. So the guards at the bridges were already told, do not let anybody from Ephraim who started this Machlekes back across, and you should find them. So they had a checkpoint, and everybody had passed. They asked them, are you by any chance from Shevet Ephraim? So, of course, they're going to say, no, Shevet Ephraim, what's the Shaykhis? I'm just a tourist from Dun, or something like that, because they didn't want to get arrested. And everybody looks the same. They're dressed in a conservative suit, and they have a beard, and uh, 
how are you going to figure this out? So you see what a capable leader Yiftach was. He gave very clear instructions, but we'd like to see the capable leadership in fighting the Goyim around them, like Amun and Mayav, instead of being used, or have to be used in a situation like this. Apparently they had received these instructions. So Shevet Ephraim had a um, I don't want to call this what? <laughs> yeah, it's, what's fascinating is the real Litvish uh, is it, is, <laughs> I, I, of all the things that like this went down a couple thousand years you wouldn't believe I'm a Litvak, I'm a Litvak, fifth generation American we come from a village near Kovna Slobodka that's real Litva, you have to be from Vilna but not me, not my father not my grandfather have any issue pronouncing a shin but the real if you've heard Ramesha speak you ever hear a drusha from Ravshach, a shir from Ravshach it's like, it's really serious it's not, not, a, not a bagam it's a sin and a sin it's like, first time you hear it it's like, if you learn Navi you would say, wow, that's Shevet Ephraim that could be the other from Shevet Ephraim I, most of us are Yehudim and Yemen, but whatever the history is, I never had time to trace that, but it's a fascinating study um, when you have time, maybe in the bathroom, but I would say you're going to start thinking of Paragid base and you can't be in the bathroom. But I just, sociologically, it's just fascinating. Out of all the things to come down, this is the one that we know of pretty firsthand. You could still hear recorded well, and didn't have other people to talk to, so they could uh, But Menashe, but the interesting thing is, Menashe is the one get, administering the test. Yes. <laughs> Menashe had no problem with it. I just, I, it's not Akasha, I'm just pointing out, boy, you wonder, I shouldn't have said, like, I have all the things to ask about. So, this is what it was, and they needed a way to separate them. And the Shebelis is a rapids in a, in a river, running water. Describing the yard, then that's why they picked that word, but they needed a word with a shin. One second. So some of them attack from Shevet Dun or from Shevet Yehuda, and they said, You can pass and go home. And the ones that weren't were in big trouble. Now, the Pasuk is an interesting diak. It should have said they couldn't. What's Layachin? Layachin means they couldn't prepare to do it. The answer is. Anybody, even from Shevet Ephraim, even a Litvak, really, if you give them a minute, they'll be able to get it out. It wasn't a speech impediment, it wasn't a lisp. But if you're caught off guard, you say, quickly, have a picture of border. You have 100 people waiting online. So just say, just say this word. Say, well, I'm prepared. You have a border control barking at you. And they were caught off guard, so they couldn't prepare to fake it. They knew if they asked from Shevet Ephraim, no, we're not from Shevet Ephraim, we're from Zvulun, or we're from somewhere else, we just got here. They said, okay, that's fine, just say Shebelis and you'll be on your way. And they couldn't because they didn't prepare in their mind mentally that that was going to be the question. And they were caught. It's a good thing for those of you who were here at the beginning of this year, I prepared you for 20 minutes for this. They didn't arrest them and bring them to be court martials. They were told to execute everybody on the spot. Ziftuch was very concerned. These people go back, they're just going to come back with a bigger army later. And he wasn't interested in the civil war, even though he's going to kill now 42,000 people. 
Can you imagine? To kill 42,000 people. That means that 42,000 people from Ephraim came to register this complaint. And there were 42,000 people on Avra Yardin. That's a lot of people. So you can't... That's why we needed the whole Akdama of today in the last 10 weeks. You can't blame all this on his mistake with the Neder of Bas Yiftah. That means there was an Einish pending for Klai Yisrael, for whatever Avodah was seeping in or assimilated. There was something else going on in the background, and the Midas Hadin was that Ephraim, as the vanguard, they're taking responsibility, they said, we're in charge of it, and they were in a way. So whatever's going on, they got the brunt of the punishment. It was not because of this Misa, and if you open up the papers, which is never a good idea, of the Palestinian Times then, the editorial incorrectly would say then, 42,000 rebels were killed because they were insurgents against the Malchus, and that's why they killed. That's not why they were killed. That's, that's the answer in the front page. That's not what's going on. But the Pele's retreating means they were there. You want to register a complaint? Send reps from Shevet Ephraim. 42,000? So now you understand, before you couldn't imagine, why is Yiftach so nervous that they're really here to burn the house down on his head and they're really here for trouble? The answer is, if they came as a committee of five or ten, you wouldn't necessarily suspect that. There are 42,000 armed people here. They're speaking Lashon HaKadosh, almost the same, except for a shin here and a sin there. And they're here and they mean business. Which means that, again, the backdrop of Pinchas wasn't sure whether he should be Shefet, but Pinchas wasn't going to send an army to overthrow him. He did a great job. He was a tzaddik. He wasn't going to start a war over this. It wouldn't have been his first pick, no. But you know what? He wasn't their first pick either. And they asked to be general. He said, no, Shefet. And they said, okay, general, Shefet, let's get the war started. And they come with 42,000 men. So that tells you, despite what you would read on the front page, this is not about this argument. This is about that Hashem wanted to bring an Einish. It was Midas Adin. And I will point out something. You know, we always like to have a silver lining toward the end of this year. I would imagine 42,000 people, the Halal Yidin, Baruch Hashem, the Brochus that were promised to Moshe Rabbeinu, the Klaisol, Yeshua Benun, were all Makuyim. To have 42,000 quote unquote spare people, they're not spare people. And one Yidin. One or two you didn't get killed is, is a catastrophe. 42,000 people. I would expect the next posting, the next parak, to be a major counterattack from Amun or an initial attack from Mayav or for a host of 20 other people who didn't like us too much to attack. 42,000 of their best soldiers are gone. You think the world didn't hear about that? Not a word. I find this incredible, this lesson that is not written but is obvious. Why did that happen? The answer is Hashem was protecting them. And nobody started up. This would have been the best time to come in, invade Eretz Yisrael and take over. The, the best of their army, the cream of the crop, are killed. They're having a civil war. At, at, uh, yes, he's very good at what he does. Absolutely. But still, it was well known. Ephraim wasn't dreaming. Ephraim said, we're in charge over here. We're always protecting you. This is the center of the country. Abraham Yardin, and I would agree. Don't start up with Yiftach. He knows, he knows what he's doing. But now there's a bald spot in the middle of Eretz Yisrael. Ephraim is it. And they weren't attacked. They got pleased him. He got plenty of enemies. Nobody lifted a finger. Why is that? The answer is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only engineered this because there was a Midas Adin, the 42,000 people should be killed. How they're killed? 
It's like Tamid the Rabbi Kiva. They're going to be killed. How they were killed is almost irrelevant. There was a Nisadin over here, but the Nisadin is exact, as it always is. And 42,000 is a huge number, but 42,000 and not one more. So even though, historically, the most likely time for armies to invade is right now, nothing happens and we're going to seamlessly go to the next Shreifet. There's going to be a famine, but that's going to be a catalyst to doing further tshuva. But they're not attacked, which is incredible that Hashem showed his Midas HaRachamim with a protection in the middle of the Midas HaDin, where everything should have gone completely out of control. Let's just finish the Pusik. In the middle of Pusik Vav. Ari Gilad is a reference to the sickness that he was losing limb by limb and eventually he was buried in many different cities. Not to end up on a bad note and to show you the point about Bayez, look at Pasuk Ches. Rashi says, Ifsan's Bayez, based on the Sugim Babasa and Sadi Aleph. And he, for the Pashup shot now, has a very successful reign and the period where he was Shafate, he had tremendous Aslacha, and the sign of that Aslacha, besides the finale, which we know he married Rus and ended up starting the Shalshalis Habalucha for what will become Machs Bez David. His reign, in terms of his family, was very important for kings and Shaftim. If you had in house help, it was automatically, if nobody rebelled, a tremendous protection and Nachas, and the security apparatus is able to operate if they're your own children, which is why David Amalek had all his children, it went fine except for Avshalom and Adonio, uh, then it becomes more of a threat if they're in-house. But here, the Pusik describes and Pusik tests his family, and what a family it was. He has 60 children, 30 and 30. That's, by the way, how it falls out in the general population. Give or take a couple of point zero one one second. Shila of course, the Pardonachas, the daughters he married off, and he had excellent uh, sons-in-law. Shloshim Bonus, Hevi Lebanov, Minachutz, sixty Chasnas, Vishpres Yisrael, Sheva Shalom. I know what you're all going to ask. Just push up shop. We're trying to end the shear on a uh, very positive note. Is that despite the end of the reign of Yiftach, which wasn't that good for him or for Klai Yisrael, Yiftach Lameisah succeeded in what he set out to do. There was a Midas Adin on those 42,000 and you can't blame all that or even a lion's share on Yiftach necessarily, although had it been time, complete Midas Arachamim would have been handled uh, differently. And right away it tells you that if son Bayaz was an ex shafate and he had a rule and a lot of help, and his administrative capabilities of the 60 children and sons-in-law and daughters-in-law, and he had a very successful reign, so to speak, for seven years. What you're probably raising your hand about is the chazal that tell you what happened in the backdrop, which is very important when we describe Bayez and what happened in Megillah Swiss, which Mr. Shem we're going to go back to next week, and then you'll see the uh, in-depth part of the Meissen.